And welcome to another episode of Flooping the Pig. I'm Brad Garoon, and I'm with Kevin Ford. I'm also with Justin Houston. We're going to dive right in this week because we're getting to an interesting part of Season 5. But we have to start with a less interesting part of Season 5. Justin, I know you're super stoked to talk about this episode. Hit us with some box prints. Uh, all right. So box prints, I'm not even going to like do a full thing because <laughs> the heck with this. Uh, so... It stops raining, and that's all. That, that's the way the episode starts. And Finn sees a box outside that may or may not have a face on it. So he says something to Jake, and Jake's in, like, fat guy lazy mode. All he cares about is video games and shows. So he's not interested in any adventuring. So Finn goes out and investigates it, and it's just a moldy box. Uh, but there's a cat inside. And he just sort of follows the cat, and that's going on. That's the A. That's the A story, folks. The B story involves Jake getting a nacho out of his teeth, uh, and not doing it in a very quick fashion, which Bimo rightly points out is stupid. So he's he's like noshing on shows, and he gets one stuck in his teeth, and it, the animation doesn't even make it clear really what happened. And it just sort of cuts away. So that's baffling. Anyway, so you see that there's like a, a box prince. Or there's like a, there's a, uh, a box kingdom, basically. A cat box kingdom thing. And, uh, and the, the kitty kind of led him there. And he sees that there's a, a prince who's in charge. But Finn sees the prince like steal some fish. They're all cats in boxes, by the way. In case I haven't made that clear, it's just freaking cats in boxes. And they all have smiley faces drawn on, unless the situation calls for a different mood, and then magically, these mother flipping boxes change expressions, and they don't explain anything. So, they're just happy, sad, or depressed, or whatever happens in the story. It just changes automatically. It's crazy. It's crazy! So, he sees that the prince steals, and he's like, oh, I... And he starts just putting nonsense together that this must be the real prince because, like, his box is kind of torn off. And that's the – he's got a fake crown. That's a bad prince. And so he uh, he's going to help him out, and he's going to make sure you restore him to his throne. Cut to more nacho nonsense. And then cut back to the box stuff. So the cat is not really helping, and they find the crown, and he sticks it on and leads him to the cat people and – says, this is your real prince. But they don't believe him or something, or they don't care, because they're cats in boxes! So they just, they're, they just don't care. Uh, <laughs> more nacho stuff. The nacho stuff is relentless, and it doesn't end 
and it persists. It insists upon itself. <laughs> and then so it cuts away another time, maybe. And so we get more box nonsense. Now they're taping like pipes or like tubing to the cat prints. They're going to duel like this weird like cat coliseum. And there's going to be a duel. And they cut away again for nachos, back to cats, back to nachos, back to cats. The nacho thing is not resolved. Uh, Jake just sort of goes, I'm just going to leave it in my teeth, and it'll be a constant reminder of uh, what I live life for. And Bimo says, uh, well, that's unsatisfying, and that sums up the whole episode! So back to cat stuff, because we got to resolve that. So they sort of charge each other, and then the boxes fly off, and then there's just a literal cat fight, and the cats look the same. And then all the cats fight the other cats, and is surprised by this. Everything turns to chaos. He can't tell the two princes apart, so he declares them both prince, but no one cares. The boxes are strewn. He wonders whether this was even a kingdom to begin with, as all the cats surround and lick his face as the episode ends! It's awful! <laughs> <laughs> tell us what Kevin. you really think. Yeah. What did you think, Kevin? Hey, uh, yeah, it was. I remember just watching and just thinking, what is the point of all this? Like, it's just brand new kingdom i guess that really didn't turn out to be a kingdom in the end so i was wondering why why i cared it, i mean there was no emotional attachment to any of those cats because all they did was meow and hang out i mean there's there's nothing really to invest yourself into and yeah that that nacho subplot was just like them giving up or fi- just figuring out something for jake and bimo to do while finn was off doing that though i i that moment you're talking about where bimo says this is unsatisfying and jake just goes shut up with a big smile on his face that was actually kind of funny, but you're right. It did represent the episode as a whole, which I know you said was probably your least favorite Adventure Time episode ever. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it certainly is one of like the bottom three. Justin, what did you actually? I mean, you, you screamed a lot, but it's pointless. It's the whole episode is like it's like a bad comic book that someone points at and goes, uh, "I mean, look at this," and you you can't. It's so hard. You can't defend it. It's just meandering nonsense. It's like everything, every negative thing that a, like a person says about Adventure Time when they say, oh, you know, they don't, you know, they just kind of go around and do stuff. And, and you know, Jake's, they, it's just, it's all like the, the weird, nasty perceptions about the show in an actual episode. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's worse crime. Uh, well, there's several bad crimes. They don't feel like, the, the characters don't feel like themselves, specifically Jake is just at, like, maximum weird coolness. They basically expose, in the beginning of this episode, that they're just killing time. Like, that's all they're doing. Like, Bimo says, why not fix this problem right now? And Jake Miswell said, well, you see, the TV show has to be 11 minutes long, so I'm going to fiddle around with this for another four minutes because that has to be my contribution to the episode. And it drives me crazy. It's just terrible. It, it feels like, okay, a buddy of mine... Uh, he went into the Air Force. He thought he signed up for uh, a two-year term. And near the two-year mark, he found out he had signed up for six years. Because oh. he's he's kind of a doof. Um, I love him. He's my I, I, I love him to death. He's my brother, basically. Uh, but uh, it's huge, huge oversight. This felt like someone ran in a room. A, a series of these episodes. Kind of feels like they ran into a room and said, guys, it's not 52 episodes. It's 56. We have three days. Holy crap. And they have to, like, throw four episodes together to meet contract obligations. Box Prince is a contract obligation episode. That's how it feels. 
to stretch it enough to meet some sort of weird demand goal. It, it, there's no heart in the episode at all to me. There's no point to it so far. I mean, if it becomes integral to the plot later, I'll just shoot my face because that's crazy. Why would you do that? I want to forget Box Prince forever. I resent it further because I had to watch it again. It's just, it's just bad. So I have a thought. Oh yeah. Okay. So what is your uh, theory? Right. So I, I mentioned this to Kevin and, and Justin off the air. And my theory. Okay. So I don't. I also don't like this episode. It's, it is. It is. <laughs> there is not really anything to it. When I watched it the first time, I was annoyed that I had for another episode and that this was what I got. I was upset. Um, and I hate cats. Also. So there was that. I really hoped that the B plot would actually be about Jake explaining why this long-running joke of him hating cats existed, especially since he starts it by saying that it's a little bit more than just a dog-hating-cats thing. And then they ignore that completely with just a cats-know-what-they-did line. Okay, but... That was a funny line, though. Fine. But this episode... Okay, bear with me. Is the mirror, bizarro, anti-version of Pahoy. And I'm going to tell you why. For one thing, most Adventure Time episodes don't have an A and B plot. But this one is set up exactly the same as Pahoy. Finn goes off somewhere. Jake and Bimo stay behind. Finn has a big adventure. I'm putting that in quotes. Jake and Bimo sit in the house and have a conversation about stuff. So I think this episode either, I want to say by accident, but I don't think a lot of things happen by accident brings up the question of how much of what goes on when Finn isn't around um, other characters is in Finn's imagination. And I'm going to take that one step further. How much of this entire show might be Finn's imagination? At the end of his time with the cats in the boxes, he looks at the camera and says, is this even a kingdom? And he realizes that he just sort of like made up all of this drama that was going on made very visible by the fact, Justin, you brought it up, that the faces on the boxes change when that's really not possible. They're just cats. They're like, who the hell knows how those faces got on those boxes in the first place? And the crown, like all that stuff that happens to them seems to happen accidentally, but this stuff seems to happen by purpose. It's pretty obvious that Finn was imagining. I mean, I think that's that's the only point you can even get from this episode is that Finn is really trying hard to distract himself. He hated being inside on a rainy day because he's still thinking about Flame Princess all the time. He's trying really hard to distract himself. So hard that he made up this whole, all this drama. So I wonder how much, like, I don't know, it, nothing was resolved here, but it brings up an interesting question. How much of what happens when he's not around other people is in his head and how much of everything might this show of this show might be in his head? I, I think he lives, I don't think any of it's in his head. I think he lives exclusively in the real world. Well, what about what about what happened to him in the Pillow universe? But that's that's what makes Pahoy special. I feel like so, but you, that it, you do, but you do see the parallels, right? Like it, it was, oh, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. It, it definitely, um, even even the beats of the show, even the lengths with which we visited the characters feel similar, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I understand that comparison, but I think what. Pahoy, what's special about that is that it's um, it kind of plays against. I, I never got the sense that Finn was a guy with a high imagination. You don't have to in the land of you. In fact, when 
we get confronted with that uh, numerous times where Finn's not really – he has this sort of jock streak about him where well, he doesn't I, really I, believe in living in fantasy. I think he kind of outgrew that. I think that was very – it happened in a rainy day daydream, and I think that episode taught him to stop being such a dick about imagination. and, and Well, he was much bigger about it in Card Wars and, and, and early on. Well, but that's just about being a nerd. No imagination needed to take place for him to play Card Wars. But well, he no, had... it was early on. He said it was about living in the real world. I know. I'm talking like about Rainy. That's in Rainy up. Day Daydream. That's why I brought that up. That's when he said imagination is for dorks. And then he was physically assaulted by imagination. So I think he learned. I think that was like an actual like learning a lesson episode where he learned that imagination is not just for dorks who can't handle living in the real world. Yeah, see, I feel like it would be the opposite because having an imagination turned out to be sort of a dangerous element. And you saw what, with Card Wars, you saw what that game did to Jake, what what it made him. I know that he made the right choice in the end, but it just doesn't feel like – If I'll say this. If it's what's happening, if that is what's happening, I think it's a sad face scenario where he's, it's, he's doing it unconsciously. I don't think he consciously – I don't think he has to necessarily – consciously draw up uh you know just sort of make things up but i could absolutely see a subconscious filling in holes for boredom absolutely yeah so what i'll say is i mean, is my favorite episode and this is pretty much on the other end of the spectrum but i i don't know maybe i'm like perversely interested in the fact that it's set up the exact same way and but just really kind of like bluntly and clumsily handles the same things well this was a little different for me too because the, the first, the previous episodes, and we talked about this in the last episode, I was worried. I was worried that it was kind of a break, I feel like, at some point around here, too. And the show kind of came back, and uh, it just didn't feel like the same. It felt a little off to me. And then this episode hit, and I was filled with dread because I thought I was getting my my Simpsons death nail episode where – you know, I watching. I stuck with The Simpsons, and I still hold that there's great stuff all up to probably about season twelve for me. Um, but there was an episode in there, and I forget what it was that I watched it, and my heart sunk, and I just I I had to come to the realization that this was not the show I grew up on anymore, and this was very very different, uh, and that I didn't like it as much, and it never. I kind of tried to stick with it, like no no it'll be fine, but it didn't get better. It would occasionally get there, but it stayed not the show that I felt that I loved. It was all throughout my childhood. Uh, so I thought this was this episode that I was getting. Luckily, I was wrong, way wrong. But I so there was this extra sort of lump to it where I thought, oh, my God, please don't let this be the moment where I just I have to get off the boat. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a different experience watching it the first time as like when it aired and watching it now and being able to sort of maybe even over intellectualize it or take it just within the context of, you know, binging the way we have been. Right. But, uh, I don't know. That's why I was curious what Kevin thought of it. I hope whatever your theory is turns out to be right because otherwise this episode has no point at all. There are some episodes that are bad. I mean, like dream of love was bad, you know, Um, (laughs) web weirdos is not great. Paper Pete is boring, but, but you know, there, it's not everything's going to be a hit. But I, I just, I don't. Know, there's just like one little thing that I found at least interesting about this. Right. 
Maybe because you love Pahoy so much, your brain just made that up so you didn't, like, stab yourself while watching this episode. No, it's blatantly the same structure as Pahoy. It's just it's just not even a, a fraction as good as that episode. Well, that's my theory on your theory. Okay, fine. Well, speaking of theories, I'm, I'm not going to be speaking of theories. <laughs> I'm going to be speaking of a, of a race against time. Oh, but there are problems with this episode, too. And Justin and I went back and forth about this a while when it aired. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's Let, let me break down Red Starved. So Finn and Jake and Marceline are looking for the Spoon of Prosperity in the Sand Kingdom underground. Uh, Princess Bubblegum has sent them to find this artifact. And they find it, but because of Jake's eagerness to get out of to play in quicksand and then get out of quicksand quickly, they find themselves trapped in this kingdom of, of, of very structurally unsound sand. And Marceline is hungry because everything in the Sand Kingdom is brown, nothing's red, and she has nothing to eat. And Jake ate all the red or, or pink or red erasers that Marceline was supposed to suck the red from, even though he had all this sandwich stuff, food to eat. So anyway, Finn uh, runs off to find some red for Marceline to eat while Jake stays with Marceline, which just seems dumb because we know that Jake is horrified of Marceline all the way going back to season one. So uh, Finn finds, while Jake and Marceline grapple with their hunger, uh, Marceline's hungry, hungry for red, and, and Jake is just always hungry. While they're dealing with that, and Jake ties Marceline up to try to stop her from eating him, or his insides, because they're red, uh, Finn finds a what seems to be like a cult that's been turned into sand by a guy with named who ends up being named Paris, with a jewel on his head. Um, and Finn follows the beam of energy that turned all those people to sand and finds a, a monster. And the monster wasn't notified that uh, whatever plan he had made with Paris didn't work out. Paris is dead now. Uh, so he decides to go home and, uh, you know, let his family know that he failed after I, what seems like hundreds or, or yeah, probably hundreds and hundreds of years of, of, of waiting there, just shooting this energy beam out of his forehead at this gem that magnified the beam. Finn asks for the gem because, uh, he thinks it's a Ruby. The guy says that it's, it's, it's not Ruby. It's an emerald. They go back and forth. Uh, the guy, the the monster doesn't end up caring, so Finn takes the gem, and after a, a real struggle, he gets it back to Jake and Marceline, who are just about ready to eat each other. Uh, Marceline goes full on feral crazy when uh, when Bubblegum intervenes in a worm sandworm monster and, and saves everyone. Uh, Marceline eats some of the pink off of Bubblegum, but but then she's able to use the spoon of prosperity to replenish herself, and uh, they all go home, but not before we find that the gem actually was green. And Finn has been colorblind this whole time. Uh, apparently he can't see reds. Or he sees grayish red and everything. I can't see greens. Um, and, and that's the episode. Justin, I want to hear... Uh, so way back, I remember you were like, this is BS. They just added this weirdness. Finn's not colorblind. Uh, now that we've gone back and watched these all again, did you have you seen things that make you think there's no way Finn can be colorblind? No, not... I just sort of dismissed it. This Again, this was that era when I was like, what are they doing? Like, what a, is this... I'm going to pretend that this is just not happening, like, or just I'll ignore it. So, no, I haven't been looking for, for validation one way or the other. I, I just I, I still feel like I'm not getting my head around it, uh, you know, or maybe I'm just there's a, a part that I'm ignorant of about colorblindness. And I don't, don't want to step and say everything he sees should be uh, that. And it, but it also questions perspective, whether we're seeing things from Finn's perspective or, uh, you know, or not um but yeah this i mean the episode itself i thought was okay i mean i, I didn't love it so, there was some good stuff in there but 
it just felt off again. It just felt really, really strange to me. And like someone else was trying to do adventure time. Uh, so I couldn't really connect with it as well. But yeah. They're, they're, I, I don't know. Have you, have either one of you found anything with the colorblindness thing? Does that come up again? Not that I know of. I recall you guys talking about it when it first happened, or at least Brad saying like something about Finn being colorblind in an earlier episode we did. And that, cause like when I saw that, I remembered like, oh yeah, Brad mentioned it. And at the time it like, wasn't really like a big spoiler. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like you gave away a big plot point or something. It was just like recently in an episode we had found out that he might be colorblind or something. And right. so that's, I don't recall it ever coming up in another episode or something where I would have been like, okay, like that, that makes sense. Right. So right after I watched this episode this time around, I Googled just to see like what other, other people have said, especially on the adventure time Reddit. And someone posted uh, a photo of what Ooh would look like through Finn's eyes. And there's really nothing in it that makes me think that he couldn't have been colorblind this whole time. The only color I've ever heard him really talk about is uh, blue. He says like the clothes he wears are boy blue. But if he can't see red, or if he if he can't see greens, if he sees greens as reds, which is I guess a kind of colorblindness that's very common in men and really can only happen in women if they're injured, then it works. I mean, the world would be a little bit more like dull through his eyes. We're obviously seeing the world through like a, a an objective perspective. Yeah, there's no reason why he can't be colorblind. And I think there might have been, and I agree, this episode's also, it's all right. It's not great. It's certainly not bad. Totally forgettable, though, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, unless the Spoon of Prosperity comes back into play somehow. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, I, I think continuity-wise, it actually works just fine. And this, this like, uh, offness that you're feeling may have been because right around this time, Penn Ward stepped down as showrunner. And yeah, looking back on it now, like hearing when it happened, I'm not I'm not surprised that there was some that they it took a bit to define its footing again. Yeah, like maybe they were just maybe they're like now's a good time to try some some like off the beaten path kind of stuff, and some of it worked and some of it didn't, and and that's what we got here. But at least my what's important to me is that all of it at least doesn't hurt the ongoing context of the show because that's the kind of fan I am. Right, like it didn't go back and like they weren't so bad they destroyed like building blocks they had already put in place. Yeah, they're just not there. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think I think it also doesn't help that it came right after box prints. So seeing those two like back to back, you're like, oh man, like this this is not good. This is not a good direction for the show. But I think it, you know I think the the next two episodes are, are better than the previous two. Yeah. Well, do you want to want to talk about the next episode? We fix a truck. Sure. Guess what happens in this episode? They fix a truck. Exactly. So so anyways, yes. Um, Finn finds this old truck, which he calls Hot Daniel, and he brings it back to the house because he thinks he'll do some pretty neat stuff with it. And uh, they, but the problem is, is Jake and Finn really don't know anything about cars. Neither does the Ice King, who's still living in their house, nor Bimo. But uh, Jake thinks of Banana Man for whatever reason. He knows that he knows stuff about cars. So Banana Man comes to the tree fort all excitedly. He has some soda and a radio. Checks the under the hood and sees that the cylinder head is missing. Which Finn and Jake don't really understand, so Banana Man goes on this long explanation. Uh, BMO makes a comment that's correct, so he gives him a gold star, and BMO feels pretty and smart for having the gold star. So they start putting fixing the truck together, and uh, Banana Man sings a song. It's pretty good because it is a, a, a singer who is voicing him. Uh, so they fix it all day, and sunset comes, and they, they ask him to continue fixing in the morning, and while everyone agrees, BMO decides he's going to stick around and work on it some more. So... <laughs> This is a scene where he replaces his own batteries, 
which he puts two batteries on the ground, takes out his batteries, and then falls backwards onto the new batteries, which I thought was pretty cool. So uh, while he's working on the car, he's listening to late-night radio of Starchy's uh, graveyard shift program, and a banana guard says something about thinking that Princess Bubblegum had been replaced by a lizard. And uh, shortly after that, Banana Man comes back saying he couldn't sleep, uh, and he was thinking about the car, and it really turns out he's just pretty lonely, which Bimo's kind of surprised he doesn't have a girlfriend, but it is what it is. So morning comes, and they fix the – and Banana Man – fixes the car, they go to, like, this uh, this breakfast spa, I think, and they steal this, um, like, grease or fuel or something from, like, a like a hash brown, like, pool or something like that. And so, anyways, they get a, so they get some biodiesel and they put it in the truck and they drive away to the Candy Kingdom. And uh, the Banana Man sees a female banana guard and he kind of is smitten with her right away. He doesn't want to talk to her. So Jake kind of forces him to drive near it and says something about... Uh, you know, complimenting Banana Man make him seem more appealing. The guard just doesn't seem all that interested. So they drive into the kingdom. They see that Princess Bubblegum is running away from an angry mob. And Drake grabs her and puts her in the car and gives her a cup of tea. And Bimo, of course, had heard the radio program, so believes that she's a lizard and offers her a ladybug. And the imposter PB turns out to be uh, the lizard and eats the bug and transforms into this giant lizard reptile thing. But uh, before it could do any harm to them, Jake pushes it off of the truck and the lizard starts attacking the kingdom. So Banana Man turns the truck around and he starts going faster, uh, as Finn tells him to do. And he pulls off Banana Man's peel and throws it under one of the tires. So the truck rotates really high at a really high speed, goes up this ramp, and it slams into this lizard, which destroys it. Um, and Jake turns into a parachute to steer the gang safely to the ground. And all that stuff explodes. And... Uh, Princess Bubblegum comes out of the sewer, the real one, and and Hot Daniel, who's now in flames, lands right beside her, and she's able to avoid it. And she warns J- Jake and Finn about all the reptilians taking over the kingdom, but they already have it all under control because they just killed the main one. And the female banana guard appears, and she sees that banana man's coming with her, and you think that, he, that she's coming on to him, but it turns out she's arresting him for indecent exposure because she doesn't he doesn't have his uh, peel on anymore. And then Bimo cries because Hot Daniel's dead, and Finn and Jake end the episode with a thumbs up. So yeah, this was uh, again kind of a one-off episode, but kind of fun. Uh, yeah, just 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 kind of a fun episode. I like the guy who voices Banana Man, so that was fun too. What did you think about it, Bradley? Well, you left out an important part where, as the female banana guard is taking Banana Man away, she keeps spanking him. Oh, I don't remember that happening. Yeah, so it seems like he's that's that either. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, she's giving him a little poshki in the tushy. So, is this the first female banana guard there is? Uh, that we've seen, yeah. Yeah. So it, I think things will be okay for Banana Man. Well, good. Uh, yeah, it's fun. I like this episode a lot. It's cute. It builds off of, uh, it, it builds off of New Frontier, but takes it in, takes that character in a new direction. And then uh, there's an element from this episode that comes back in a season six episode. So I dig, I dig the continuity there. So yeah, not much. I'll uh, just Weird Al's a, a cool guy. Yeah, he um, did a good job as Banana Man, and I like yeah. the song that he did. Yeah, I actually don't remember the song, but it's probably gonna. It, we'll put it in this episode. Fixing a truck with the neighbors, not a better way to spend some time. Hoping to see if they like me, using automotive savvy. Ooh.
a good job, they'll give me props. Bam, I'm asked to come back tomorrow. A future I see with them and me best buds. Hanging out forever. All right, then. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I also liked it. The important thing for me in this episode afterwards, because I remember thinking I didn't love it, but I couldn't figure out because it made me very happy. And I couldn't figure out why I was so pleased with it, even if I didn't love the episode. I liked it, but didn't love it. And I realized that out, out, other than the other episodes uh, preceding it, characters did things that I felt were out of place or they it just didn't feel right. This episode felt right. Like I feel like the character interactions and everything everyone did, nothing stuck out as, oh, Jake wouldn't do that or Finn wouldn't say that. So it felt familiar. So I I liked it more the first the first time watching that just because I didn't feel like uh, that. I didn't I just it wasn't another bad episode. You know, it was something that he laughed. that had a great song in it that had good action spots that had some weird BMO starchy stuff, great guest voice and everything that I'd want. Uh, and there were and great animation, especially in the beginning when he's, when he's pushing the truck. Um, so everything I'd want in an adventure time episode. So I was very pleased that it uh, that it was the start of things getting better again. My favorite bit was that was when he was explaining with um, you know, visual aids, the cylinder head, Finn and Jake couldn't see it, and they called him out on the fact that, <laughs> that like that was all in his imagination. Like, what is he pointing at? Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, I also just think there's something fun about like, like it's like a movie like October Sky or something like that, where these people are working on this project for a really long time, and it comes to fruition, it works, and just because you saw their struggle and everything they went through, you can't help but feel kind of like a sense of of happiness for them when they like like the scene where they're driving towards the Candy Kingdom and just are also overjoyed with it. You're like, yeah, that's awesome the hell is october sky it's that uh that jake gyllenhaal movie where they build a rocket um oh that came out in 1999 i was only watching fight club that year okay well i i was i was i watched it in like every science class i ever had in high school yeah same with me so that i don't know why that was the first thing came to mind but there you go i got you i mean i had science teachers who cared so we actually like did work and not watch movies well they, they never got sick and had substitutes no, and what's interesting about that is one of them was like this really, really old obese woman, and I'm shocked that she didn't just die while I had her as a teacher. Jeez. I hated science in high school, and I, I love it now. I just, ugh, high school is weird. It's too bad. What do you love about science? I just love that it's science. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else I love? What do you love? I really love people who don't necessarily believe in science in Adventure Time, like the Ice King, and he's pretty lonely in Playdate. So I, I have to admit something right now. Don't totally remember everything that happened in this episode, so I'm just going to do the broad strokes. Uh, Finn and Jake are really getting sick of the Ice King. They're having a problem with him living there. And they need to distract him from how annoying he's being to them. So they get Daniel, And he and Ice King hit it off really well after a while because Daniel is enamored with Ice King's wizard powers. And Ice King just wants to be worshipped. That goes on for a while. Finn and Jake are happy at first that 
the Ice King and Epic Daniel are like out of their hair. They can get some peace and quiet. But then, I can't remember how this happens. They go down t- into the loot area of the tree, forest, tree fort, and somehow they, they... Oh, oh, Ice King is showing Africa Daniel the demon blood sword, and they summon Kioth. And Kioth breaks the demon blood sword, gets his blood back, and then kidnaps Jake and goes into his shattered glass dimension. And then Jake... Jake's gone, and then Ice King reveals that the Ice Kingdom has been fixed for a while now. But he's just been milking his time at the tree fort. So he and Abraham Daniel leave, and Finn is left horrified and depressed that Jake is gone. Before we get to the part two of this episode, because it's very different than part one, Kevin, what do you think of Playdate? So I actually felt guilty when I watched it because I remembered Abraham Daniel in the sense that, like, I saw him and I was like, oh yeah, that guy looks familiar. But I couldn't remember like anything about him, like any of the other previous episodes we had seen him in. So. Can you can you refresh my memory, like what his deal is? He first shows up in Wizard Battle. Okay. And he's Finn's ally in winning Wizard Battle, so he can get a kiss from Princess Bubblegum because Abigail Daniel said he doesn't want a kiss. Right. I, I recall this. Yeah, and I think that's it to date. He comes back more after this, though. Okay, so he's only in one episode before this. Maybe two. Justin, do you remember another one? Uh, the one where I don't know if we've seen it yet. The one where they go. Yeah. Wait. You're right. Wizards only fools. We have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That yeah, was more recent. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So I don't feel I don't feel too bad then. Um, but yeah, this is this is fun. I like I like again I like Ice King episodes kind of as a rule. Uh, him and Abraham Daniels' friendship was fun to watch, especially the uh, the interpretive dance concert they had in the middle of the night, and Bemo started dancing and Abraham Daniel got jealous. That was kind of funny and also kind of mean of Abraham Daniel to just kind of shove Bemo out of the way. It is Bemo's house after all, uh, partially. So. And yeah, I, I kind of had a hunch that the Ice Kingdom had been fixed, so for him to confirm that at the end, kind of nonchalantly, was pretty great. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun episode. Um, but I was I was wondering what we were gonna see come next. Juicy fruit. So, okay, so yeah, this episode I I liked it a lot, a lot like the last one. Um, did you call him Juicy Fruit? Yeah. How did you? I, I Justin recognized that was a nickname. Like I didn't I didn't get that at all. It's just like okay, we have a rapport. Yeah, I, I love it. I just I knew what he was doing. Uh, so anyway, um, the episode itself was uh, was fun, like the last one. But I'm glad they went and, and did some story stuff and the reveal at the end that the Ice King's been finished, which we kind of got teased. where We briefly saw Gunter working on the Ice Kingdom and it looked pretty done. Um, and or we've seen it like in the background and it looked done. So it was kind of confusing. This sort of made it all much more clear. But, um, yeah, the episode itself I loved, and uh, the cliffhanger, as far as cliffhangers go, that's a big one that I thought would last a while, but it doesn't. Uh, but this episode itself is still really good. Yeah, I liked it. Um, do you want to tell us about part two? Wait, isn't that another Wouldn't episode? That be on the next? Yeah, I don't have much to say about it except that I liked it. No, no, but I mean, the next, like, flooping the pig episode. Oh, shit, you're right, guys. We got to come back next week and talk about it next week. Cliffhanger for everybody. You don't know how the podcast works. <laughs> uh-huh, I forgot. You know what I do know? What do you know? Kevin does snails. I do. So in box prints, in that box arena coliseum or whatever, he's uh, just sitting like one of the, the opposite of participants. Ad- audience members. That's it. Uh, in, in Red Starved, he's like hanging out by this fallen pillar when Finn wanders off to find some red stuff for Marceline. And we fixed a truck and that breakfast spy was talking about he's sitting on a stack of pancakes and in Playdate, he's on Ice King's drum set when Daniel kicks Bemo out of the out of the picture. 
That's our snail was this week. Uh, only one guest voice this week. Weird Al plays Banana Man. Fabulous. Justin, you're on Twitter. Yep. Um, at Justin J. Houston. Not really tweet much these days because wrestling is... So, uh, and I'll write a column. Again, wrestling is... So, kind of related. BB Kara. What? You said you do antagonize Chris GST when he says something strange, so that's nice. Can you give me an example? Uh, well... Well, he said Ari Berenstein was a like he's like he's a he's a person, like not like he's a great person, just like he's a person. And Justin was like, "Yep, he is a person, all right." He described him as an all-around person. That's right. <laughs> and I was like, I, I wanted to be like, "Was he a half? Like, yeah, not not like those half people." Like, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if it's some in joke, but it was early in the morning. I was like, "This is ridiculous." Um, yeah, I don't understand anything Chris GST says or does. He's a weird so, guy. Um, I don't have any animosity toward him. I just legitimately, he'll tweet stuff and be like, banging that drum west of Thursday. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, but he's a good person and he does lots of hard work and I don't. So, uh, PW Ponderings is the site that he helps maintain. And, uh, we do a podcast on it. Kevin and I called Viva Chikara. That's all about Chikara for wrestling. It's the adventure time of wrestling is what everyone says. So go listen to that. And Kevin, you do other stuff, right? Yes, I'm also on Twitter at KFord13. You can follow me there. You can follow Pro Wrestling Ponderings on Twitter at PW Ponderings. When a new episode of Flooping the Pig drops and even Chikar and anything else, it could, gets posted there. Um, you can directly download it from PWPonderings.com. Uh, or you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio by searching for PWP Podcasts. And uh, you get the episodes a little bit earlier. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. And uh, if you do visit pwponderings.com and you're going to buy stuff either through High Spots or Amazon, that's holiday season, so that's possible. Uh, use our banners, and we get a little kickback to keep the site running, and we uh, we appreciate your business. Brad, what's going on with you? Would you say we get a few shekels on the back end? I would say that. I um I eat burgers and talk about it at Burger Weekly on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, and burgerweekly.com. And then I'm also on Twitter at Garoongate, and that's just where I post my thoughts and dreams. That's it. That's all I do. Oh, my. What was that from? A steak pizza from Walmart. What's a steak pizza? Bam! I assume it's like um like a Philly cheesesteak type of shredded steak on a pizza. Mm. Well, you eat your... Okay, cool. That's what Justin's eating. Oh, well, I'm going to keep eating my food, and y'all can keep flooping the pig. I flooped the pig. Mm.